Welcome to the London Welsh Rugby Club podcast. This is episode 63. This week, our guest is an actual legend of London Welsh, a chap who is a life member due to the enormous contribution he has given our club over 30 years. He landed in London in 1970 and made the club his second home. We understand about his roots, a bit about his career in teaching and his massive contribution to WRU through the Welsh Exiles. This club wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for people like our guest in this week's episode. Yes, it's Tedwin Williams. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Life Member and Current Assistant Kit Manager, Terwin Williams. How are you, Terwin? Very well, thank you. Good stuff. Look, the pandemic has hit lots of people in many different ways, but you have used it as an opportunity to get fitter and are now walking loads. Do you feel good for it? Most certainly I do. In fact, I think it saved my life during this lockdown. You know, being stuck at home, not allowed to go anywhere, couldn't even go to the corner shop to buy a paper, you know? And uh, suddenly, Old Deer Park saved my life, coming down here, just walking. Once started with once around uh, the track, if you like, around the pitch, and, and uh, just it grew and grew and grew. Yes, it's been a life-saving. And you'd have different people from the club or your missus walking with you from time oh, to time, yes, didn't you? Yes, most certainly. Lynn Jones, Martin Ryan, and of course, uh, Morlice and so on, Nigel Reese and God, so on. Gosh, yeah, the, the, the full, full glitterati there. But look, obviously, you also, you know, once we were allowed to um, to use London Welsh as a base, you would you would see some of the gang on Friday mornings for breakfast, and that'd be like yourself, Pete Lowe, Morlice, Joe Jones. That must have been great, you know, having that sort of connection with the club during these sort of challenging times, really. Very challenging times, and it was wonderful, really, to be able to meet up with the boys, you know, and uh, just that once a week and uh, talk. Uh, keeping our distance and so on, and uh, just having a chat, you know, and making sure that everybody was okay and asking about other people and so on that we knew down the club. No, no, it's been a, an absolute lifesaver. Absolute yeah. lifesaver. No, good luck. And I know this club means so much to you, and we'll hear a lot about that. But, you know, but you know, now, you know, what's it like being back involved on away match days and then sort of watching the team, you know, at home at ODP this season? We we're seven games in. So are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying every minute of it. Um, I think it's been fantastic. The number of boys who um, have joined the club and have stayed with the club, you know, even though we weren't playing, you know, to be able to put out three teams on a Saturday is fantastic. You know, for a club like London Welsh, yeah. uh, in, in the middle of London, if you like, or just one side of London, yeah, it really, really is fantastic. And um, it sort of votes so well for the future, you know? And obviously the results have been going well, but you know, the club has used up to about 40, 45 players already this season, you know, in the first team, which is great, you know? But you're going away though in the van, because you're, you're, you know, to the pre-season friendlies, you were off, off to Cardiff, you, know, you and Pete driving the van and the kit, you know, back and forth, and then, you know, going to our you know, new grounds to, to away matches, but just, you know, so it was, being in the environment means that yes. you know, we can win or lose, it doesn't really matter really, but just the environment, that's, that's so special, isn't it? Absolutely right, yes, you know, it's, uh, it's wonderful. You know, in fact, in my life with this club, you know, I've been to so, so many different clubs, you know, small and big, you know, and now we're sort of exploring new clubs again. 
basically I'm the navigator when uh, we go to these away matches, you know. It's... Pete hasn't got a clue where he's going, basically. Look, I bumped, I bumped into you at Llandovery College when you were watching the Exiles against the Llandovery Invitational whilst my son Oshan was playing for the Exiles. You were there chanting Nigel Reese and Neil Dark was there and who both played for London Welsh. You know, do you enjoy those days at Llandovery? Because obviously they invite you down and you stayed and enjoyed the local hostilities, didn't you? I absolutely love it there. I, uh, I've been there so, so many times over the years. You know, we've had camps there. We've stayed sort of in the boarding houses that uh, they use for their, for their students, for their pupils. And, uh, you know, over the years, it's been such a wonderful place for us and a wonderful connection for the Welsh exiles. And for me, it's so special seeing so many over the years, so many boys come from Flandery College to London and they come to London Welsh, you know. Yeah, the links, the links are strong, aren't they? You know, because obviously yes, they, they, have, they have their old Tandovian dinner at, during the Roslyn Park sevens, don't they? Yes, every Thursday night of the Roslyn Park week, um, they they meet you at London Welsh, and I've been doing that for years upon years, you know, no, years upon years. No, it's not. It's great looking. We'll, we'll we'll look back for your life for the club, you know, and uh, we're going to hear lots of the stories from you, Terry, because you've been with the club so long. But it's important for our listeners to understand and appreciate the experience and friendships you've made in your time here. But look, let's start, you know, by going, looking at your life, by going through some of the decades. We don't say how many decades, because giving your age away, right? <laughs> but, um, but look, but obviously your upbringing in your first decade, you know, where were you brought up, Terwin? And, you know, in terms of your family, you know, your, your brothers and sisters and things like that. Yes. I, uh, um, I was born in the, uh, um, what is now remembered as the old infirmary in Carmarthen. And uh, I was brought up and uh, spent my first 17, 18 years of my life in a council house in Llanabada, a small village five miles from Lampeter. Um, I went to uh, Llanabada school and, um, and living in the street as I did, just of 10 houses. I mean, there must have been about six, seven boys living there in different houses. And all we did uh, was play, at the back, at the front, on the road in those days, because it was so quiet. We'd play football and we would play cricket uh, constantly, daily. And um, at the age of 11, I then moved to uh, Lampeter School. Uh, we had no choice, you know. We, we walked the mile to the village and caught the school bus, which took us to Lampeter School. And um, there I was introduced to rugby. Uh, first time and um, my first game for the school in fact I remember the first try I ever scored for the school was up at Tawin school mid Wales we were playing mm -hmm. away I always played in the back row number eight or a flanker or wing forward as they called it in those days and um, um, we were very good uh, very strong side coming through and in those days it was under 15 and I ended up, I was captain of the school under 15 side. And uh, we were virtually unbeatable at that age. Um, I ended up, I played for Cardiganshire, the county. Yeah. Even though Flannabrother, I lived in Carmarthenshire, Lampeter School was in Cardiganshire, and I captained Cardiganshire. And, um, and I also played for West Wales in the Welsh trials, you know? Mm -hmm. And basically, the highlight of my whole rugby career was I played on the old Stradley Park and I played at St. Helens in Swansea. What happened then was, you see, after you did your O-levels, a lot of the children 
lot of the boys in the school, they were farmers' mm -hmm. sons. And they left at 15. They didn't stay on. And we were decimated. So come the sixth form, we'd have boys of uh, basically 16, 17, and 18 having to play together. And it was impossible, you know. You, you, we were so small in the sixth form, mm -hmm. boys-wise. And uh, we went from sort of being unbeatable to being beaten soundly every week, you know. Did, they, did those boys then who left your farming, did they play for the club on the weekend? Uh, or did they, they, they lost to rugby? Uh, they, were, they were lost to rugby, lots of them. Some of them did play, yeah. um, but uh, lots of them didn't, you know. And, uh, and that was it, basically. And then at 18, um, um, in the sixth form, uh, everybody had to apply to university and had to apply to a teacher's training college. So, so sorry, so everyone in your school yes. had to apply to be a teacher? To, uh, to apply to a teacher's training college to yeah. become a teacher as yeah. a fallback. Yeah. But the first option was university. Right. Um, once uh, I, uh, I had the interview, went to Cardiff, first time I think I'd ever been, no, uh, yeah, first time I'd been to Cardiff, I think. Or oh, 18? Yes, Gosh. yes, at the interview. And, um, and what happened then was um, I had, was offered an unconditional place. So my father said immediately, that's it, you're in, work, go to work. And uh, I went back, did A-levels. But I went to, uh, ended up going to Cardiff, City of Cardiff College of Education, as it was there. Um, I was one, one boy from the sixth form went to Cardiff and six girls. And the six girls all needed A-levels. I didn't. <laughs> Incredible. But anyway, I went there. Uh, history, geography, games. And um, uh, what an eye-opener. Tremendous experience. You know, just to name uh, some of the people there, it started basically my first year with John Jeffrey being capped by Wales, was in the third year at college, and he was playing for Newport, number eight. Um, Gareth Edwards was there, and Roy Burgess was there. JJ oh, yeah. Williams was in my year group. John Bevan, the winger, was there. And in my house, in fact, in first year, uh, although we didn't stand out for a long time, Clive Shell. We ended up playing for Wales, come half and Aberavon. So, so when you were at university, did you carry on playing rugby in, in some of the university sides? No, no they didn't have them. They just had that one side which dominated everything. You know, that's how it was uh, in those days. You know, in the in the seventies, late sixties. So you just 70s. didn't you just didn't play. We'd, nobody played. Yeah, we didn't play. We just had that one side. You know. So unless you were elite, yes. you had no chance. Basically. And a lot of the boys went home weekends to play for their clubs. You okay. know if they were uh, with the clubs, you yeah. know? I remember Ian Lewis, Mull Lewis, um, boys like that, Big G, Gareth Jones, he was with Llanelli, you know? And, um, and that was it. And uh, I, I finished, did my three years there, uh, but my highlight really was uh, in my second year, I went to Porth Boys Secondary School to do my teaching practice. And that is what I wanted to do history, geography, and um, it was rugby at the school. Yeah. I was helping out there. Um, it didn't quite work out like that. I ended up um, uh, coming to London and I was uh, working on a building site. So what, why, it's obviously the, the boy who hadn't been to Cardiff before he went to the university interview, yes. which is Cardiff's probably like, I'd say 70 miles away from where you were born, maybe more, right? And then- Much more. Okay, and then um, <laughs> <laughs> my geography of Wales is quite poor, obviously, and then, 
you know, so why London? Why, why did you think he wants to come to London? I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, my family, my mother was from Llandewibrewi. Um, my father was from Lampeter. And their whole family, growing up, they left school at 14. They were sent away to work. My mother was put on a train at 14 and sent to London. And she ended up in Walworth, southeast London. Um, and my father tried different jobs down there, but he ended up in London. Um, my father was pushing a milk barrow for a, um, um, a, a Welsh-owned dairy, milk dairy, in Walworth, and a barrow with two churns in it. Yeah. And the, the ladies used to come out of the houses, so my mother came out of her house, because that's all she did was scrub and clean and cook and so on. And that's how they met. They married in London, and um, what was interesting was, uh, my brother was born in London, he's 10 years older than me, and war broke out and my mother was evacuated back home now she'd been away almost 15 years and when she got home the family home had gone and everything so she was um, put up somewhere in Pembrokeshire and then uh, my father went away for the war and he came back fortunately and in fact the plan was to go back to London but my father was offered a job with a Pearl Assurance, mm -hmm. and um, they were given this council house in Llanover, this brand new uh, home in Llanover. They couldn't turn it down, so that was that. So that, that life was made up, but obviously that sort of paved the way for you to maybe go to London Precisely. post Cardiff. And also my brother being 10 years older, he did national service, came back, tried different things down there, butchery and so on, driving. Um, he got his HGV license, um, in the army. So he came to London as a driver and he was already up here, you see. And interestingly enough, do you know when I was 10, a letter was sent home to every pupil in Llanover School asking if you wanted to be taught in that last year through the medium of Welsh or English. My parents said, you will have to leave here to work. You will have to leave. Yeah. Yeah, we want you taught through the medium of English, because up to then all we spoke was Welsh. So, so it's like um, your first language, or Yaith Kuntasi, or with Cymraeg, was Welsh. Yes, yeah. Like yeah. Up until the age of ten, you think? Up yeah? till the age of ten, and then I was taught through the medium, and it was Welsh then as a second language, yeah. all through secondary school, you know, and A level, O levels, you know. But you're fluent in Welsh by then, so you, so oh, you left. Yes. So you left Cardiff. Yes. To, to look for work as a qualified teacher. Yes. But, but what work did you do when you got to London? <laughs> I left the Cardiff on a Friday, uh, about midday. I ended up in London. And on Monday morning, I ended up being, uh, I was working on a building site down in Brixton. And I was a brick cutter for a company called Sir Lindsay Parkinson. I don't think it exists anymore. And uh, I was earning a fortune, £60 a week clear. And I found out a newly qualified teacher was getting £64 a month. And um, it went on. I was earning so much money. And um, anyway, uh, what happened was in September, my parents came up and they complained, you know, saying that I was the first one ever in their whole families to go to college. And uh, 
and that they'd sacrificed and they had sacrificed everything to get me through the three years there. And, uh, you know, they, they had to help financially and everything. And, um, and so I, I got on the 83 bus in Ealing where I lived, where all my friends lived from Wales. And um, I went to Emley Town Hall, interviewed. I wanted to do secondary school, history, geography, games, but they asked me to do PE and games, specialize in PE and games in junior school. I had no option. And um, I spent five years in a Catholic school, St. Joseph's in Wembley. And looking back, you know, it was a tremendous experience. I was uh, very successful there, I was lucky. We were the first school ever to do what they call the double. Um, we won the London Cup and the Middlesex Cup and things like this. And uh, one season we won five trophies and, uh, and I was headhunted. Um, and I went to a very posh school in Bronsbury called Mallory's. And um, it's at all embassy children. Mm -hmm. For example, I taught a boy called Vusi Vakudzi, who was the, um, the ambassador for Swaziland's son. <laughs> um, Reg Friesen was the minister for housing in the Labour government. And I taught his two sons there. I also taught a girl called Tamsin Gregg, who became quite a famous actress. Yeah, actress, comedian sort of thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, I know yes, you mean, yeah. yes. And, uh, and there were one or two others as well, you know, who, who sort of made names for themselves. But, you, but so, what, so, so that's your second school, you got, um, and this was what sort of got you out of bed, was really was the, the games elements of it. Oh, really? yes. Is that where you enjoyed more yes. than the history and geography? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, it was a case of every afternoon. Yeah. You do a bit of teaching in the morning, but the afternoons would be split into PE, uh, two sessions, two different classes, and then a year group games to finish. And also we had to do swimming, you know, uh, which was sort of uh, hour and a half job uh, twice a week, you yeah. know, things like that. So it was mostly games, but, you know. But you were there quite a long time, but obviously people sort of remember you, it was um, latterly being at St. Benedict's, don't they? Yeah, Because yes. you were there the longest probably. Yes. So in terms of half your teaching career or more yes. was at St. Benedict's. So yes. after this, this school you just spoke about, you went to St. Benedict's. And I went to St. Benedict's, but that was after getting a cricket side to the final at Lords. I managed that because um, I love cricket mm -hmm. anyway so much. And we know we see on the telly every Lords <laughs> test <I> win. <laughs> I'm there, yes, yes, yeah. And anyway, I, um, uh, I, I left and I went to St. Benedict's and it was totally different. Uh, in fact, by then I was quite disillusioned with teaching, you know, because we'd stopped doing games and all this. It's because of teacher strike in the 80s. Yes, that's right, okay. yes, yes. And then I, uh, so I went there and uh, it was rugby uh, and cricket, which was fantastic. And the facilities were fantastic. You know, everybody kitted out properly. And, uh, you know, the playing surfaces and everything, absolutely superb. And um, I really loved it there. In fact, it was, in fact, my favourite of the three schools, you know. And, uh, of course, the boys there, um, Hugo Ellis, I taught Hugo, and he ended up playing for and captaining Wales under-16s at rugby, you know. Mm -hmm. His brother ended up uh, playing at school and ended up at Cardiff Met. And he ended up, um, I think, uh, no, he wasn't at Cardiff Met, I think he was at Cardiff University. And he ended up playing professionally for Ealing. He's now still playing with Hugo at Roslyn Park. And uh, Sean O'Connell, a uh, very good player. Um, uh, he played professionally for Ealing and unfortunately concussion finished his playing career. 
And then finally, even though I'd retired, um, I had a call from a guy at Wasps Academy and he said, you've got to go back to your old school and, um, and meet this boy, Jonah Holmes. Um, he's Welsh qualified. So I went down there uh, to watch a school game and I met his mum because he lives in, Nor uh, in Norwood Green, mm -hmm. you know, West London here. And um, anyway, I registered him. Uh, they said then, you know, they said Wasps will not let you lay a finger on him, you know, just won't because um, he's so special to them. Anyway, uh, Jonah ended up coming here to, uh, on loan, you see? Yeah, no, it's Scrum Half then, wasn't it? Scrum Half yeah. he was, yes. And then uh, he moved up north, you know? And, uh, and of course, the rest of his history is now played for Wales. And he's also promised me a shirt, which I will have framed and put up here. We'll, we'll get that shirt off, Jonah, <laughs> yes, don't you worry. Yeah. We'll get that shirt. But look, that's a distinguished, you know, it's uh, a very quick sort of uh, yes. run through a 30, yes. over 30 years of distinguished teaching career one you got so much enjoyment out of yes. you know we sort of we have sort of glossed over it so um but you know so you've you've um touched the lives of many and that's, that's what teachers do isn't it you yes, know they, they inspire yes, they yes. people and so yes. there'll be lots of people out there who you know who've had the, the you know the benefit yes. of being taught by you won't yes. they do you know I mean so and yeah. you've named some of the rugby players i suppose but there are plenty more who've had oh, many gosh. successes in life and yes and down to you know you and other teachers in their lives isn't absolutely it? You know, um, on Saturday now, I'm going to watch the old Priorians play, Datchworth. They're in a league below London Welsh. Yeah. Uh, they're undefeated this year, like we are. And I think about four boys I taught at St. Benedict's all those years ago are still playing in that first team. Uh, or they'll be involved in some capacity around there, you know? Uh, um, wonderful. That's amazing. So what, so what for you then? Why... Um... Why was teaching so special for you, Terry? And why, why do you feel that was your vocation in life to be a, to, to be this sort of amazing, inspiring teacher? And they're my words. You've not, yes, you've not said that. Yes, but. yes, yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I've just loved interacting with people. And um, there's something in my character because I've always um, sort of uh, supported the underdog. You know, um, in my teaching life, you know, we we'd have lunch break and a teacher would come in and be so frustrated with a pupil, you know, something had said something or done something wrong. And, and, uh, you know, they'd be really down heavily on, on these pupils. And I would always try and get them on my side, you know, to, uh, and care, mm -hmm. you know, there were, there were simple things, you know, I remember sort of setting work, you know, and, and a boy put his hand up and saying, um, well, I, I, I don't have these uh, colors and so on at home, you know, to do things in history or geography, whatever we were doing. And I was saying, that's fine, not a problem, you know, don't make an issue of it. And then during the course of the day, I'd go in the cupboard and certainly in St. Benedict's, you know, there were so many rich children, you know, they never bothered um, taking things home and they would leave everything at the end of the year and I used to collect them, you know, mm -hmm. what was left. <clears throat> and I would give this boy, you know, and the parents appreciated that, you know, that side of it. But I've, I've, I've always loved uh, things like that. And I've loved traveling with the schools yeah. while I was there. You know, um, uh, at um, uh, St. Joseph's, I uh, used to take for two weeks every year, I would go to a place called St. Mary's Bay in Kent and uh, spend two weeks there. You know, we do uh, uh, Canterbury Cathedral, Dover Castle, uh, the uh, light railway, uh, rather, um, not uh, rather high, I think, uh, railway mm -hmm. to Rye and things like that, down to Dungeness and places like that, up the old lighthouse at uh, Dungeness, 
Then I moved to um, Mallory's and the rich ones went to the Isle of Wight and um, I was left with the ones who couldn't afford it basically. And I used to take them for a week's camping down in um, Rotherwick in Hampshire, where Brent, uh, the, the borough of Brent, they had a special school there, like mm -hmm. a mansion. It's now a hotel, but in the grounds, they set up this center. And I used to go there every year for one week. And uh, wonderful, that was Winchester Cathedral uh, one day, and then uh, river walks, farm visits and things like this. Yeah. And then the rich in, in uh, St. Benedict's, it was one week uh, abroad and one week at home mm -hmm. um, each, uh, each year. So we used to go to Austria one year, and then the other year um, would be somewhere here. Um, so here, I went so, so many times to Austria and to France with that school. And then here, I went twice to St. David's, yeah. Pembrokeshire, and I can hold my hand up. I did jump into the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> I did. So what I'm hearing here, Tywin, is you like teaching because of the free holidays. You're joking. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Look, being responsible. No, they were fun. They were fun. Being yeah. responsible for children, yes, I'm sure there's yeah. some stresses and strains of that. But look, because we're here to discuss this was your connection to London Welsh. Yes, everyone yes. understands that teaching was such a big part of your life. Oh, would be a miss for us not to mention that in this sort of yeah. conversation. But when you came to what came to London in, you know, in was it like 1970? 1970. Yes. So did you immediately come to London Welsh on a yes, Saturday as well? Yes. Then. Um, uh, I, I was coming down here with um, twin brothers, Peter Price and Mayron Price, who are also from my neck of the woods in West Wales. They're old, older than me. My brother knew them, you see, because he'd been up here some time. And so I would meet, we'd all meet in Ealing, get the 65 bus down, down to here. At that time, in the 70s, we used to pass a pub by Cubridge called the Wagon and Horses. It's been knocked down. And it was run by a guy called um, Gwyn. Right. And Gwyn was the brother of a guy called Oriel Jones, who had a massive business in Llanabella. So, you know, he was known to us, if you like, you know, mm -hmm. another Westphalian. So we would call there, you know, on the way down here. And then we'd, uh, if we were lucky enough to get back in time, we'd call in his pub. But basically, we'd come down here on a Saturday and it would be absolutely manic, you know, so many people but we were meeting others and so on. And, um, but also at that time, on Saturday, we all used to go uh, to the station. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody had to leave the game 10 minutes early to get to a bar here so you could have a pint because of the queues and so on at the bowls club and here, incredible. And then uh, we'd go up to Richmond and we'd go up to town and we'd go to uh, the Cock Tavern in Great Portland Street. Yeah, Memory there? Isloon Jones, the late Isloon Jones, ex-captain of London Welsh at Herne Hill and so on, always standing by the bar. I, I remember it now, I can picture him now. And his But every wife, time you walk in there, he's oh, always there. Oh, he was always there, <laughs> and, and his wife, Francoise. Yeah. And Francoise um, came to the lunches here twice, uh, two seasons ago. And if she ever hears this, Francoise, please come again. She's a lovely, lovely person, you know? Wonderful memories. But you know there, uh, teachers that I knew at college would become teachers, they were at Essex. They wouldn't come here too far. But they used to come to the Cock Tavern on a Saturday night and they're singing and they're 
Oh, so 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 for for obviously um, there's lots of lots of teachers from Wales that came oh, to England yes. to teach a lot of sports and rugby, yes. but but there's like a more or less a home from home for you. That's yes. what we're trying to create now, really for for yes. Welsh people. Yes. But even more so then, yes. you, you just felt you know all your West Wales were together. Oh, you meet more, make more friends here. Yeah. Then you go into town again, yes, meet more yes, Welsh people. Yes, and, yes. But why the Cox Tavern? Why was that such a Welsh? Uh, because one of the guys on the board here on the committee here um he ran that pub right and and so i think they used to have meetings up there about team selections and so on it was up there I'll, I'll just mention one thing about how welsh london was at that time um 1975 i went to play a school and um uh, just outside uh, wembley up to wilsden a bridge road school Teacher there, Malcolm Davis, a Welsh guy, right? I took the team up there, and in those days we didn't have a bus. It was my car and, and two parents or something bringing the team, you know? And um, Malcolm said, don't go down to the field yet. He said, uh, I want you to meet my headmaster. And I said, oh, I said, why? And he said, oh, he's Welsh, and, he wants, and I've told him about you, and he wants to meet you. So out came this headmaster, and his name was uh, uh, Dennis Pugh. And uh, shook hands with him, hello, and everything else. And then I said to him, I said, um, have you always been here? No, he said, no. He said, um, you passed the school I taught at on my way here. It's now called Stonebridge Junior School. I said, oh, I know it. I said, we, we played them, we beat them this year. And he said, you know, he said, when I taught there, it was Stonebridge Boys Secondary School. He said, Every teacher in that school, including the caretaker who unlocked in the morning and locked at night, was Welsh. Every teacher was Welsh. That is what it was like. There was barely a school in London, so well, an Essex, I say, yeah. um, that did not have a Welsh teacher it was and, incredible and they'd all come here really so so saturdays because oh, so, so, yes. so, we think saturdays are busy here with 600 700 like, a couple of thousand or more was oh it, yeah? yes yes absolutely and you know there's still people coming here yeah. um, uh, um ron isaacs uh brian morgan um um alan jones i met them from 70 to 75 and they still come here once a year yeah you know they live up uh, way out beyond harrow somewhere but they come here every year and I still see them, you know? It's been wonderful. That's nice. Wonderful, that. you know? That's nice. It's great. I love all those connections. Yes, yes. But did you ever, because you played rugby at school, not at university, yeah. did you ever feel the inkling to sort of play rugby at London Welsh or, or was it just you, you think your rugby journey had finished by then? In the 70s, you see, it was so full here. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine from school came here for one term and he was a very good player. In fact, he played in those days, West Wales used to play the All Blacks, yeah. and he played for West Wales against the All Blacks. Do you know, he, he only got three games here in the term, and that was for um, something like the sixth or seventh team, and he was that good. Um, Graham Williams was Wales secondary school flanker, and didn't have a look in here. He ended up at Osterley. You know, there were so, so many people here. It must be hard for, you know, if you're coaching, you know, the first, yes. second, to, oh. to try and find that pipeline of talent. So people come here, 
to play rugby and they can get lost in nine sides, oh, yes, can't they? Yes, yes, yes. And you hear stories. I mean, last night at this dinner, um, uh, Mike Roberts was talking, you know, and he was basically a second team player, you know, and, um, you know, he stood out and everything else, but it took him time to get into the first team here, you know. And he's a lion, a lion, the Welsh player, exactly. London Welsh yeah, legend. Yeah, it's it's yeah, absolutely yeah. mad. Look, you, yeah. you, you remember the days in the pack bars, but it, because you were from West Wales, there was this thing called like a Welsh corner or something. What, what, yes. what, what, uh, what happened? Is that, was, is that, is that a clue yes. to Tedwin? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we set up what we call Welsh corner where a lot of Welsh people got together, we were talking. And uh, we were Westwalians, but uh, we, we got very friendly with some of the players, you know. Mark Douglas had come up here, Lampert to school, and he would always end up in our corner talking to uh, Peter, Marion and myself and, and the other boys from West London, you know. And um, uh, Tudor, Tudor Jones from uh, Pembrokeshire, Broadhaven, he's still big friends with Mark. And uh, we always, we made that corner our own. And it changed things here. Um, the numbers started to dwindle a little in the 80s, you know, so it was easier to come in and so on. And we stopped traveling up to town. So we were here. And um, Gwyn, um, they closed the wagon and horses for Gwyn uh, at Kewbridge. So he moved to um, uh, Bell and Crown in Strand on the Green. So we started using that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Gwyn and, uh, and Mary. Uh, Bell and Crown, so we, we'd call there on the way. And uh, anyway, so we, were, we set up this corner, Welsh Corner, and it transformed things. The players were there, Glyn Llewellyn, uh, Baileys and Lime, goodness me, the sessions we had, fantastic. What's wrong with the pint of bitter? Oh, gosh, we'd already <laughs> had about 10 of those. <laughs> so I take it there, so, so everyone's in, in good spirits. Yes. And imagine when, when most people are in good spirits, they immediately break into song. Oh, so was it, was it a, singing? Because imagine in the seventies, yes. the bar was filled with smoke. I imagine. Yes. And 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 song. Song. There was a piano down the end at first. Uh, lasting memory. Nigel Reese would sit on the piano and lead the singing, and Squeak would be playing, and then of course Squeak went uh, modern and he had one of these electric organs. Oh goodness me! It, it was incredible the singing, and that is what we need today. I would love to see somebody come back with something like that and just play and and lead straight after the game. You know the singing. It, you know, it's, oh, I, it's I like the idea. You know, Welsh corner because it would help my Welsh language. Because you know, do we unshara camraig? Iaith cuntavi u camraig on dumacall thara cuvle he shara camraig. So I would love to speak more Welsh yes. in the club yes. just yes. to keep it going, really. Yes. But, um, yes. yeah. Yeah. How do we? We should get that going, Tarvin. Yes. We? Why not? Yeah. Yes. It does sound a bit like. Um, you know, we're not very in- inclusive, does it? Because you know, Welsh corner oh, sounds well, a bit, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but that's just, what we call it. But we should do because yes. we need to um, preserve the Welsh language more, yes. don't we? So we're, so we're doing this. Yeah. Um, I don't know what we're doing, but it'd be good fun. But look, so that that's in the seventies. When did you um, when did you become a sort of when did the exiles appear um, into sort of your orbit? Shall we say? Was that before getting more involved with London Welsh, or were you more involved with London Welsh then, uh, apart from being a supporter? Were you involved with London Welsh first? Yes, I was uh, here with the club. Yeah. Uh, the supporters club were going everywhere, Cardiff Internationals and so on. My wife and I were doing that. And then uh, uh, basically it was again Welsh Corner. We met the people coming from upstairs. Oh, yes. And that's where we met David. Now, David was kit man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, upstairs with the players afterwards. Uh, David Gunvor Jones, my total, total mentor. Wonderful, wonderful man. 
uh, from Dolice, Dolice Top, and um, he was a teacher in North London, so we had something in common, and uh, he was a big man. And anyway, what happened was, um, uh, basically with the exiles as well, uh, in 85, the club did a world tour. They brought onto the committee a guy called Brigadier Ralph James. Yeah. He ran the public school wanderers who toured every year, Hong Kong, Monte Carlo, they went places, you know, every single year. And basically he was brought abroad, you know, to organize this world tour. And anyway, in 89, he became chairman of the club. And at that time, if you were chairman of the club, you were automatically the Anglo-Welsh representative on the Welsh Rugby Union. Now, in 85, when he was here, went to Twickenham, played Bath in the final. He was, he was really cross. He said, look at this Bath side. It's full of Welsh qualified boys and they're playing for England. Um, uh, Nigel Redman was one. Uh, Gareth Chilcott was a prop. You know, they were Welsh qualified and there were so many others in that team. So he said, we've got to do something about this. And he said, we will set up, uh, he persuaded the union to set up the Welsh exiles. It was all um, boys here. He was the chairman. The secretary was the secretary here, Peter Taylor. David was the player uh, looking after, Kitman. Uh, Dennis Hogan was uh, the link between the players and, and the team because he taught at uh, a lecture at a university here and he was in, uh, assistant manager of Wales students. And um, so they were the boys involved. And the coach was the coach here, Bill Calcraft. Right. And uh, Australian international flanker, Oxford University, played for the public school Wanderers. Brigadier knew him and said, look, um, will you start it? They played their first game down at Sunbury against the Irish exiles. There were a few boys from here playing. But I do remember two locks. Uh, one something Reese. Um, who was from France, he was brought from France and he ended up playing for Cardiff. And there was a guy called, uh, I think it was Mark Lloyd who played for Mosley. Uh, Di Harris played from here, Julian Davis played from here. Um, you know, I just watched that game. Then one day I was doing the, uh, what happened then was when he became chairman, David was moved onto the committee and he was finding it more and more difficult on the stairs and so on with the kids. So he asked myself, Peter Ramiron, Will you help me, boys? He said, of course we will now. And we were doing the kits. And Bill Calcraft said to me one, uh, one day, one Saturday, he said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, nothing, why? And he said, can you come down and give us a hand? I said, yeah, well, what do you want? And he said, oh, Welsh Exiles are playing combined services, first home game. And uh, he said, can you come down and do what you did today? You know, sort the kits. I thought there was much kit and uh, look after the opposition and the referees and so on. And I said, yeah, okay. And that was it, and that was the start. And then David said, right, from now on, every away game, I'm gonna collect you from your house and bring you home. In fact, it was jump in the car, he'd drive a hundred yards, stop and say, right, you drive, and uh, he'd get in the passenger, passenger seat and sleep. <laughs> so that was, that was the sort of start of your Sergeant, involvement, yeah, but you, yes. you've, you've been with the Exiles for, again, I want to say 25, 30 years, yes, helping them, right? Yes, so, yes. And your knowledge of um, Welsh qualified players in England is 
beyond reproach. It's like encyclopedia. Oh, you know, do you know what I mean? So in the and the amount of people you'll have signed to, to the Welsh system oh, yes. through that. So yes. just talk us you know, so briefly through that sort of journey, your involvement and sort of the the fun, the travelling, you know, sort of the challenges maybe oh, you've had. So with that, it, it's been a, an amazing journey. You know, I, I started as kitman, and uh, and I did that for about ten years uh, until about um, uh, year two thousand, and then my role changed. But the the exiles changed as well. They went from seniors down to younger people. You yeah. know, but you had students in those days and uh, under twenty ones and things like this. And uh, so it, it changed a lot. But then they asked me to become, uh, as well as Kitman, they asked me to, to become treasurer and things like this. And they changed the system. So you weren't just invited to a game. We were setting up centers everywhere, you know, so that boys would sign on for us. You know, it was the start of the computers and uh, things yeah. on that. And, um, you know, we were having centers. Uh, Colin Stevens did a year for me up in Morley in Yorkshire. Uh, we were going to Huddersfield, we were going to Manchester, uh, you know, there were so many centres, Nottingham, uh, London was always for the South East London Welsh, yeah. and uh, Plymouth College, places like this, uh, Ledbury, uh, and I had to go to those places, and that's why I had to step back a little as kit man here, yeah. because, you, you know, if, you, if you're a kit man here, you're committed, you know, three nights a week probably then, mm -hmm. Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. And, uh, you know, I was being pulled everywhere. And, um, yes, yeah, so so, uh, so it changed dramatically, you know, and the people as well. Um, uh, the Brigadier, we started with um, Terry Kobner was uh, one of the first. Sorry, uh, yes, Terry Kobner was first. And then Mike Gosling, before he became co-chair. Yeah. Then as soon as he became co-chair, he gave up the exiles. And John Davis came in. John was a teacher, uh, school down uh, um, East London Way, and he set up rugby there. He was also coaching at Saracens, and he, um, in fact, uh, ran the Exiles for a while. Then Martin Jones came aboard. Yet, uh, I think it was about 2003, we had an academy here uh, with Exile boys in it. Well, at London Welsh. At London Welsh. So when Aidan Davis is coaching, the, the exiles yes. were part of the academy. Yeah, and Martin was part of that, and uh, Alan Rise, um, who was down at uh, Camberley. Yeah. Um, he uh, was also helping with the coaching here, and we had a number of boys who belonged to the academy. So when, so when you went around the country to do the... Um, would Sessions, you, would you yeah. run these camps as fun, advertise yes. you're going to be at Plymouth or wherever it was, yes, yes. and anyone who's Welsh qualified come to these camps and have yes. a, we'll have a look at you. Yes, that's right. And those who are half, yeah. they're all in the system, yes. but those who are half decent would then get selected for other events. Yes, that, yes that's right. Yes, right. that's it. Yes, you know, be selected to uh, represent and play here, there and everywhere. Um, you know, I had to go every year to um, Wellington College. Yeah. That was the under-16 tournament. Uh, I, when I started going there, boys were capped under-16s. Wales had one side, England would have one side. Boys got caps. Mm -hmm. Then England did away with it uh, because they said that there were so many under 16s um, who were capped then who never made it to under 18, you know, uh, because they were being dropped by academies and so on, things like that. But I used to go every year. Um, I, I remember boys now, Will Capon, I was talking about him last night. Will Capon, who's playing now for Bristol in their squad, uh, hooker. Um, I remember him playing. 
in one of the Welsh sides at Wellington College, you know. Uh, there have been so many. Yeah, sure. like, oh gosh. He used to do a Rostin Park Sevens as well. You, you start, you'd, you'd be there, you'd meet all the parents. Oh, and try and get, It's all about yes. just say, look, if you're, if you're Welsh qualified, yes. sign, sign for us. Sign for it's us. Not, not poaching players, is no, it? It's just, no. just recognising those who've got maybe different routes for yes. international recognition, exactly. maybe. Yeah? Yes, you know. And it gives boys an opportunity, mm. you know, uh, to meet others, you know. This is what I believe about rugby. It is such a social game. You meet people, you make friends for life, you know. Uh, you know, it could be 20 years later. I remember you, you played somewhere, you know, and yeah, I played in that game, you know, and it's wonderful, you know. So it's so more recently about people like Louis Rizami, who was, was, was in Wales and came to yes. England, didn't he? But Alex yes. Cuthbert, was that right? Was he? Alex Cuthbert was at, uh, um, uh, he, he was born and brought up this side of the border. Yeah. He went to uh, Hartbury College, but when he was at school, he went to my sessions at Ledbury. And uh, Michael Jaws was running, he was teaching down there then, Worcester Way. Yeah. And he did sessions for me there. And uh, Gareth Hughes, a fly half. I think Gareth now is, is um, head of the lower school at RGS Worcester, where Steve Lewis's boy, um, oh, Rob. Uh, Rob Lewis, yeah. is teaching now. He's there. But, um, you know, um, he went there. He wasn't picked up. But we picked him up uh, with a public school wanderers tour out in Cyprus, uh, where we took a side, didn't expect anything, and we won the flipping Thames <laughs> tournament out there. And they, they, the forces people, made Alex Cuthbert player of the tournament. And I still kept the email because by then we were being run by the Dragons. They'd set up the regions and yeah. uh, uh, the drag because the Dragons were nearest to us. And um, I contacted uh, Will Thomas, he was, at the Dragons, and he said, we'll have a look at him now this summer and we'll try him at different sevens. And I think he, they, they took him to play at the Newport High School All Boys Sevens. And they moved him from Hartbury to Cardiff, met, mm -hmm. and he went straight in the Wales Sevens side. So without that exiles opportunity, oh, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't know, have had the craze, had maybe. Because you know, you know, no, it is no. about sliding doors and opportunities, yes, isn't yeah. it? Or you could have ended seen. up down the England system, you know. So, you know, simple as that. And there have been so many over the years, you know. Uh, do you remember the Bloodgate? Yes, Harley Tom Wins? Williams. Tom Williams. Tom Williams is Welsh qualified. He played for the exiles. Came to our camp up in, I think it was up in Nottingham somewhere. And, um, and the fly half that was there as well. Uh, there was another boy there uh, from Harlequins. Okay. But anyway, uh, um, you know, there have been so many over the years. Ben Broster was a, a prop at, uh, down at uh, Brighton Way. Um, his mum and dad have been here a few times for the Voyagers uh, Christmas lunch with Colin Hill. Uh, delightful people. And Ben ended up, uh, just through the exiles, he ended up playing for um, Wales Youth or something. And next thing is, he was capped by Wales out in the States. And in fact, the dinner, I went to a dinner at the East India Club for the Voyager, something like 25 year uh, dinner. And uh, his, uh, Ben Broster's mum and dad were there. And that evening he played for Wales, got his first cap. Mm -hmm. You know, there've been so many over the years, you know, so, so many outstanding players. Oh dear, you know, it's, it's been quite incredible, you know. Look, and what people don't appreciate really is, you know, um, you're volunteering here, weren't you? Yes, to, yes, Because yes, yes. obviously there is, it's a lot of effort went in to, to make this successful for WIU. 
and you yeah were yeah. a volunteer you, okay, okay you may have got expenses here and yes, there but yes, you know, yes. you know yeah. but you did it for this the love of doing it didn't you Tony? i absolutely loved it yes and it was uh, again it's for me and it's all to do with people and it's the people you meet the friends you, you make you know and uh, it's been like this all the way through you know and even now you know i go to places and people come up to me and they 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 shake my hand and they're hello taryn and and I can't remember them, you know, but they were exiled parents, yeah. you know, from years ago. You know, this season now, uh, uh, the away grounds, everywhere I go, you know, somebody will come up to me. I can't remember you're, them. You're like but... exiles royalty. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> Everyone, well, you, cause I think because your involvement has been so long. And yeah. obviously you've stepped away now, but you still go to some of their events. And oh, they, I do, yes. have, Obviously, because yes. of COVID, they've not had events really, um, you know, but they're, they're starting up again and there'll be some events in Hearts in February. Yes. You know, here in Nottingham and Somerset, yeah. probably. Yeah. But, you know, what, what do you think? Do you think it's gone up another level now? Because the WR, yes. you are really keen yes. now on yes. maximising, trying to get more players into the Welsh system, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, um, we often, I felt, had sort of problems in that we were competing with the regions and, uh, you know, they would try and put their own boys first. But now things have changed, and um, a lot of that, I think, um, I, I think it's fair to say this that uh, Gareth Jenkins of the Scarlets, uh, he really changed things in that he was allowing boys, telling boys who were in independent schools here, who had scholarships to independent schools and so on, and who were good players, you know, you don't have to leave that school and come to us, stay at that school until you're 18, and then come to us. Uh, Cardiff University, Swansea University, or whatever, you know, South Wales University. And it's made a massive, massive difference. And now all the regions are really looking to recruit, you know, and um, uh, just to see how they get on with them. I think the key thing is, you know, is for these boys to continue their education, again, to the Welsh University Super Bucks. Yes, that that yes. university system now is so strong for players. Oh, yes. And you can, still be, you can graduate with a degree. And you're still 21. Yes. So you could, you could play rugby then, you know, for you know exactly. any, anyone really. Exactly, you know. And uh, no, it's been it's been wonderful. Harry uh, Harry uh, Williams, son of John Williams. Um, John uh, and Harry, we went up to Rydal School in North Wales. Uh, I was short of a coach. I said, John, can you help? Yes, he coached for me that day. And um, uh, Harry played. He's at uh, he was at um, St Joseph's Ipswich. He had a scholarship there, good player, tied to Northampton. Stay there until you're 18. And what happens? He's now at Scarlet Academy, you know, and yeah. really highly thought of. I think he was capped by Wales under 20. The other one is Carwin Tui-Palatu. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he, uh, he, uh, he's dad was at Sedborough, wasn't he? Cop he school. was at Sedborough, yeah. top school up there. And again, the same thing happened. Now, I signed him. When, uh, as, when he was under 15, playing for under 16 Sedborough final at uh, English, English schools yeah. at Saracens. And his mum, uh, we were in a bar, and she was just standing on her own, no, no friends, nobody, and I went up to talk to her, introduce myself, and I said, you know, Carwin must be Welsh. Oh, yes, yes, he was born in Abergavenny Hospital, and... And, uh, and uh, she didn't have any details. She said, speak to my husband. And I registered him. And then, of course, um, Scarlett's picked him up, you know. Yeah, he's not, said, he's, you can yeah. say, et cetera, 
until you're 18 and then you come to us. So, I mean, that's the thing is it's so, so many boys who've gone through our system and you've been a big part of that. Look, and you know, you know and so we, we have three hours on the exercise, really, yes. and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. which would be very interesting to me, but maybe not all our listeners. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so obviously, you know, you step back, you know, a few years ago from the exercise, but you still love it and still going to events, oh, things yes. like that, which is great. But let's turn back to sort of London Welsh now and, and when your involvement sort of um, increased at London Welsh, was it... That was the beginning of the 90s sort of thing you started yes, helping out? Uh, yes, uh, with Bill Calcraft as coach, uh, we started as uh, kit men. Peter, uh, the late, uh, sadly, Mehron died, mid-90s, and uh, um, Peter, Mehron and myself. And, um, and then in those days, you see, we used to carry um, supporters as well, the team coach, you know. Uh, so I started with Bill, and then John lost his job with Wales, and John Dawes came here. Yeah. And um, at the end of that season, the club probably couldn't afford two. So they asked John to leave, uh, sorry, Bill to leave, Bill Calcraft. And then we worked with uh, uh, John Dawes, you know? And um, then jo John had to leave uh, mid-season and Nigel Reese and Bruce Bradley finished the year off. And the next one to come aboard because he'd already, if you like, um, cut his teeth with uh, the Welsh exiles, was um, uh, Mike Gosling right. from Wasps. He yeah. came. Fantastic. Uh, players didn't like him. Things didn't work out player-wise, but from our perspective, which is different, yeah. uh, he was absolutely outstanding. He was only here about two, three seasons. We went to Madrid, Madrid Sevens. Yeah. We went to Brescia, Green Blazer. And uh, if Mike ever hears this, I would love to meet him again. His two sons I've met. Uh, in fact, his two, um, uh, one son is a teacher down in Barnstable. And uh, so Mike's grandson has played for the Exiles. So I met That's him nice. through that. Nice. And the other one came with us on tour to um, Slovenia and Croatia um, with the public school wonders. So, so, um, so this is, this, these are London Welsh tours or these? No, are, no, no. They, were, they were different. Right. Um, um, there were different tours, okay. uh, public school wanderers ones they yeah. were. But um, this one uh, with Mike, superb. I remember um, in the two years, he gave every member of staff a red scarf. Mm -hmm. And Mike, I still wear it, I'm so proud of it. There's a trunk in the, um, the games room, in the, in the kit room, mm -hmm. there's a trunk there, coffin we used to call it. Mike Gosling got us that and it's still used. You know, every professional game we played, everywhere we went, up and down the land, that coffin carried stuff and we wheeled it onto the pitch side and it's still in use today. So, so you were helping here but on Tuesdays and Thursdays with training and then, and then, and then Saturday matches, Saturday, so all from like the mid early 90s up until yes, now. Really. Yes, and uh, sometimes on Sundays when we were back late, we had to clear up and yeah. so on. And, uh, uh, and also... Um, when we were down to the Scarlets for Llanelli, you know, yeah. uh, Boxing Day, things like that, when the gate was locked and you couldn't get the kit back in and all this because of the type, you know, <laughs> oh, goodness. You forget about all those fixtures, really, don't you? Like, yes, you know, yeah. those additional fixtures, but then the league, the, the league became more important, didn't it? Yes. Less of those Welsh friendlies, yes, didn't we? Yes, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, under Mike Gosling, uh, we had players come in. It was the start of our climb back up, you know. From yeah. 85, we went down. We still had wonderful players, you know, really nice guys, good guys. Mm. But, uh, but we started climbing back. Uh, the Brigadier brought in 
Mike Hamlin, England A, I think, number 10 from Gloucester, and um, uh, Nigel Scrivens, a lock from Gloucester. Those two were traveling up in a train and then playing for us on the Saturday. Um, that was the start of it, you know, and we were starting on the journey back up. Uh, I remember those boys at North Walsham playing for us. And if we go up another league, we're in the same one back with North Yeah, Walsham London won the South East yes, Premier, isn't it? Yes, so, yeah, so. Uh, not if, when, well, when, yes, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Well, when, we were, but we but then, then Clive Griffiths came in, didn't he? And then he was just. He then was just, Clive then we, uh, changed then we, dramatically. And we had all the rugby league lads, you know, Colin oh, Jarvis, you know, all that sort of thing, didn't we? Uh, it was uh, fantastic at uh, Clive, the players he brought in, he was a fantastic personality, you know, really, really 150 percent, 24 hours a day. We're trying to get him back, like, you know, obviously he's done a yes, podcast with yes, me, with, yes, I'd love him to come back and, know. Um, you know, as a guest. One wonderful, overseas. wonderful man and uh, uh, just a great friend, you know, yeah, he was wonderful. And uh, in fact, I, um, David and I met him. Because when Wales won the Grand Slam with him and Ruddock yeah. in the uh, early 2000s, 2005, I think yes, it was. Yeah. Um, they were invited up to the House of Lords, and David and I went up. And I have his picture at home. You, know, you, and, lo uh, you love an invitation to oh, a dinner or something, don't you, Terry? Not off. The Clive was great, the players. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, some of those boys, you know, he brought Roland Phillips, fantastic Buster White. Yeah. Uh, Simon Ems, who I met last night. Simon Ems, he's back in, in Swansea, and he was there last night. I met him first time in about 20 years. Um, greatest player I've seen here, Andy Currier. He brought him down. What a rugby league player Yeah, you're not, you're not the first who said that. Oh, Scott Roskill. Uh, but they were great guys, you see, not just uh, players, you know, yeah. they were such wonderful people. But you know, so you're talking about some of the great players here, but you know, the amount of players we've had in those days, and, oh, and yeah. as helping out as a volunteer here, you know, on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, yeah. we'd be running probably, I don't know how many sides in the 90s, maybe four or five, maybe? Uh, well, if that's... Okay. No, probably yeah. down to about two or three, okay. three, you know. Yeah. But on training nights, we were still 30 or 40 lads here, wouldn't we? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. We had to get water bottles, but in those days, you see, uh, with the amateurs, they signed in. Right. They would turn in and we'd keep a register. And we'd also register new boys who were turning in. Yeah. And we'd have the water bottles ready on Tuesday and Thursday. And also, we would look after the valuables, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, Jan, more or less, and myself would be uh, downstairs, um, not in the Welsh corner, but up, up the top there by the shop. Yeah. And uh, that is where the players come in, register, take off. And, uh, and then they go up and change, and at the end, collect. Then Thursday, you see, we'd be given a team list. And again, it was Mike Gosling that changed that, because it was a case of just shirts, you know, and then put uh, the 32s, 34s, 36, 38, yeah. 40 shorts. And then in these tiny changing rooms, there'd be chaos, you know, where they intermingled <laughs> looking for things. And Mike said, no. He said, you've got the team list, find out their sizes, and roll it all up with the number out, put it on the seat. So they come in, it's there for them. You know, it's simple and it's, and it stayed that way, you know, wonderful. And obviously in these times, you know, with Clive, we were going so semi-pro, weren't we? Yes. And so the, yes. the training wasn't always just Tuesdays and Thursdays for some of the lads. Oh, no, no, it was in the day and everything, yeah. you know, because Colin Langley was here um, playing. And I remember they used to come to St. Benedict's and help with the um, rugby there on a Tuesday afternoon and uh, on Friday, and I had Colin Langley, Langley 
um, Gary French and Darren Edwards. And Darren's still involved with the rail sector. Mm -hmm. But they used to come to St. Benedict's and help me. It was great, you know. Absolutely wonderful. So, so you were, so you've been doing the kit then since like since those early nineties. That's nearly that's probably thirty years. Yes, yeah, yeah in, yes, in my yeah, maths. Yeah, yeah. So you obviously you've um, made connections with lots of players oh. and probably lots of the coaches really. So yes. yeah, so we're talking about the coaches. Obviously, we've had from Clive to I think Martin Adrian, it was Martin uh, Jones, Adrian, Martin Jones, and then uh, Phil Greening, yeah, Mike Friday. Uh, then we had um, Lynn, yeah. And then after Lynn, we had Justin. And after Justin, uh, we had Roland. And then after Roland, we had uh, James Buckland. James Buckland, yeah. And then we, we're back into Project Reset. But look, I mean, yes. look back at those coaches now, you know, any, any sort of, sort of uh, obviously, imagine, you know, Lynn was quite, you know, and Roland are massive characters, aren't they? You know, yes. Funny blokes as well, aren't they? As well as you know, nice people. Yes. But, you know, can, you know, are they good to work with as well? Do you know what yes, I mean? they they, were. Yeah. yes, they were, you know. Uh, every, every single coach, has worked so hard for this club. You know, as, as people, as persons, they are all different. Yeah. But, you know, they've all tried so hard here. They came here and they gave it their all, you know. And uh, they're all been different, but they were wonderful, wonderful people, all of them, you know. They tried so hard, you know, to, to be successful on that field, you know. That's all you can ask for, really. That's all you they've can tried ask their best, for, you know, we've to see, you know. You know, uh, through the, this, through your time with the club, the, yes. the money available oh, to yes. run the club would yes. have been, it's been challenging at times, isn't oh, it? Yes, yes, and we've had different people come in. You know, um, uh, when I started here, it was Vic, Vic Watkins. Yeah. You know, lovely man, uh, best friends with him now. You know, and his family, and he still comes back here for lunches regularly. You know, and then uh, Kelvin had to come in. You know, because we were desperate. Yeah. Kelvin had to come in and bail us out. Boy, did he do that. Oh, not half, you know. And he's a wonderful man and he loves this club. And he loved it even more because of uh, his wife, you know, um, who absolutely adored this club. You know, she was a well speaker. And, uh, you know, Pat, you know, she was such a lovely person. And... Um, and the support he gave this club, you know, over the years, that's been fantastic. Yeah, I don't. People don't always appreciate that, do they? Because obviously, don't. what happened at the end? I mean, it was that wasn't. He was trying to sell the club for such a long time, and there's, there's just no interest exactly. in other buyers. And it's not, exactly. that's not his fault. It is not his fault, and he knew, you know, that his time was up because he had to look after Pat. Yeah. He had a choice. Family first. Family first, you know, and he did the right thing, you know, and. And it was so sad, you know. It was great seeing back one of the lunches. Oh, was he, it's the yes. first lunch of the season he's back, yes, I think. So yes, and it was, it was yes. really good to see him. Yes, yes. I hope, I hope um, he comes to many more. Oh, yes, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Wonderful man. And we've had, you know, so many different people. Ernie Williams, who died recently. Yeah. You know, um, he ran the club here for a while as chairman. And then David Hammond, he, he supported the academy we set up here. He financed it, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, he again, you know, was a wonderful man. They all did their best, you know. Nobody came here sort of to try and spoil or, you know, they just wanted the best, you know. And um, what, I suppose, you know, in terms of um, looking at our glory days, really, because when Lynn came in, you know, yes. and we, 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 we um, won the playoff to go to the Premiership, yes. you know, that experience being, you know, having been at the club for such a long time yes. and being so involved must have been quite special for you, really, you know, to yes. be involved and then driving through the gate to the premiership clubs with oh, Pete Lowe gosh. and just and just being involved at such a you know at such a, a momentous time for the yes, club really yes i know it's a, a fantastic time you know a tremendous experience yes i was at the finals you know 
and uh, you know, I just loved it all. You know, to go to, uh, I remember going to Leicester years ago with Mark Douglas, yeah. you know, and uh, in fact, he cut his ear quite badly, I remember. And we had to uh, stop off at a hospital on the way home, you know, things like that. And, uh, and we were back there, you know, nothing had changed. You know, the changing rooms were exactly the same and, and so on. And, uh, oh, you know, all these grounds, it's been a tremendous experience. Do you know, uh, under Clive, I remember us having to go five times to Leeds in one season. And um, John Wilson was on the board when Clive was here. And he was one of the big chiefs of Hilton. Mm -hmm. And we used to stay at um, or a, a Hilton Hotel up the north of Leeds, uh, uh, Leeds Garforth. And goodness me, we were playing Otley, uh, Wakefield, uh, Wharfdale, um, Harrogate, and, um, and also Leeds Roundy, as it was then, you yeah. know. Uh, five times in a season, we were up there, you know. It was quite incredible. You know, the, oh, the places we've been to. But you're, 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 you're also in, in the changing room, you know, uh, at, yes. you know, you know which is like, you know, no one sees that. No, you know, you know, no, and So you've no. been in the changing room, you know, you know, you know through great wins, you know, victories, yes. losses, oh, you know, yes. and, but, you know, in, in that, with some superstars, really, because we had some superstars somebody, oh, in the premiership gosh, yes. into that, which was great for, and great, you know, great for you to be part of that after what you've done for the club. Cool, you must have enjoyed all that, then, really. I, um, Perry Weeple came to London Welsh. Yeah. I hadn't met him, and the first game was at Merthyr, and uh, went down to Merthyr for this pre-season friendly, and uh, I was on my own, and um, anyway, uh, the players went out to start, and I was dragging the spares bag, you know, the valuables bag and everything else yeah. out, and, and a crate of water. And I went over the touchline, and uh, next to the dugout thing. And anyway, the next thing is, this boy in sort of uh, red shorts and sort of a, a white T-shirt or something came up and picked up the water bottles for me and took them, turned and faced and knelt on one knee. And I said to the boys, I said, do you see that? I said, who's he then? And they <laughs> laughed. And they said, don't you know him? And I said, no. Who is he? Oh, that's Piri Weepu. World Cup winner. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, you know, but, uh, it's what he taught me, you know? Because yeah. I was in the changing room at uh, the Kassam. And, um, I had, you know, you had to walk all the way, halfway up the pitch to the van, you know, to yeah. put stuff away. Came back. And I said, blimey, I said, the cleaners are a bit quick, aren't they? They've been in here. They've swept the floor already, you know, we're not even finished. And they said, no, it's not the cleaners, it's Periwipo. It's what the New Zealanders yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Stay humble. Yeah, stay humble, the massive yeah. pile of stuff yeah. on the floor. <laughs> so you had people like you had Henson here for that season, yes, you know, good yeah. lads, yeah. Oh, fantastic yeah. people, yes, yeah. you know. Really, really good, you know. Uh, Club-wise and also socially, you know. The great times in them, wonderful times. So let's, you know, obviously you talk about wonderful times, but when... when well, obviously, when we then in that year in the championship, when we didn't didn't have the funds to continue, yeah. you know, it was it was, it was you know, very sad times for yes. the club. So, how did you take that personally? Then, really, for you, you know, when did it you finished, think did you think it was your the end of your involvement with the club? Do you think? Uh, no, it wasn't that really. Um, it, it really got to me, to be honest. Um, I, I was invited in, you know, and I came to the meeting early one morning here when it was all shut yeah. down, and. Uh, I got really, really depressed and uh, I put on a lot of weight and I put it down to what had happened to us, you know? Yeah. 
but in fact it was cancer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, but uh, that really changed things. But yes, I, I got really depressed. Um, I cared about the people, you know. I, above all else, I was checking, you know, where's he gone? Yeah. Has he got a club, you know? Even down to, to the other people with us, you know? Uh, Lee Eldridge, you know, people like that. Yeah. And Georgina Ewer, you know, looking for a job, you know? Uh, Jacob, Jacob mm -hmm. went to Ealing, Jacob Mitchell, things like that. And I was so glad, you know, because, you know, hearing about everybody, everybody got fitted up somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And they were ended, ended up doing things. Jesse Liston ended up playing for Richmond, uh, being a roofer, you know, working, things like that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it was so sad, you know, to see that happen. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Like, I went to, so, you know, it was like a oh, big void in our lives, wasn't it? For, oh, for, for, for you know, a few few months, and then we sort of regrouped and yes, regathered, and yes. and we're back to yes. Know, and, and it's a it's a great journey now, isn't it? We're on. Oh goodness me! You know, next year I said I mentioned North Walsham. Uh, Havens, uh, one up. Yeah, you know, I, I remember playing Havens. It's one of my favourite stories about this club. You know, uh, we played them twice in a season, and um, uh, three times that season, home and away, and we also drew them in a cup game. We played here. Boys at upstairs came down. Squeak was on the piano, and this flanker they had, number seven, uh, came up to me um, at the bottom of the stairs here and said, uh, "He said, do you think I can sing a song?" I said, well, I don't know. I said, let's go up and ask him. And, uh, you know, posh accent and all this went up. And uh, I said, Squeak, I said, this boy, Flanker, uh, haven't. He's asking if he can sing uh, a song. And Squeak said, yeah, yeah. He said, what do you want to sing? He said, oh, anything Welsh. I said, what? <laughs> what? And he said, yeah, he said. Uh, I said, well, how do you know them? I said, haven't, Hampshire. Oh, he said, I was brought up at RAE Aberporth. That's where my father was. And I went to school down there. He said, I know, I love the world songs. And he sat down, uh, crossed his legs, and sing, what a singer. He sang for about three hours. He was fantastic. And we had a fantastic night. They were supposed to leave at about half past eight. They didn't leave till half past ten, the coach. They're always the best nights, though, aren't they? Two weeks later, we had to play them in the cup game. And their, their changing room was so minute, right? Um, uh, players were in. And I had to stand outside in the corridor, and their captain came, ginger-haired guy, prop. And, uh, you know, everybody's kitted up, and he was in a blazer. And he, as he came up, I said, oh, no. I said, aren't you playing today? No, he said. Uh, and I said, was the injured? No, he said. After playing you, he said, two weeks ago, I played last <laughs> week, he said. I got sent off. He said, I hit this bloke, I got sent off. And uh, I said, sorry about that. So anyway, as he passed, I said, um, I said, oh, did you enjoy yourself at London Well? So he said, uh, those two, three weeks back. He turned and prodded me in the chest and said, listen, he said, I've been to a virtually every club in the land, he said, with the Navy, because the Navy boy had happened. And he said, that night, he said, at London Welsh was the best night of my life. That was London Welsh. He said, the team bus left at half past 10. I missed it. He said, I went up to Richmond Station, he said, to get a train. The last train had gone. <laughs> and he said, I had to pay £65 for a taxi all the way down to Harvard. And that's not bad, though, for your best night of your life, though, is it? You'd take that, wouldn't you? You'd take yeah, £65 yeah. Pounds for but that. That story has stayed with yeah. me forever. This club is so, so special. And we need more singing in it, don't we? Oh, I don't know how we do that, but look, you know, look at, um, we could go on for hours and we, we probably <laughs> will, but look, I think, when, you know, looking at some sort of some stories about you and I think 
Gordon Ross used to call you and Pete Lowe Max and Paddy. Yes. Yeah, because you're in the car, so uh, in the driving the van. But um, I think uh, when you went to, I think what um, what Pete said, like when you went to place like Penzance, yes. you stay at the Queens, oh, you know, yes. and then you'd, you'd work the match and then you'd look to drive back. You'd always go out and pick dinner, wouldn't you? Yes. So what would you pick for dinner when you went to went to Penzance? Do you remember what you picked up we for dinner? We were very fond of uh, any Chinese that we could find out there. Chinese. Well, well he, he said like it's Cornish pasties. Oh, uh, so and you would jump in the pasture seat and you'd head off for the long drive home. You'd have eaten two of them before you left town. Yes. <laughs> and then you'd fall asleep, right? <laughs> and then, right, Pete would drive five or six hours back to London Welsh. And as you're turning into the gates, you would wake up and say, Do you want me to drive from here? <laughs> Terwin, is that true? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so and then I think other, other things. Oh, um, when, when you went to like, away matches, you'd have um, a coach's night out and you'd have a favourite nightcap that you'd order. What was that? Oh, it was a rusty nail. What is a rusty nail? It's a whiskey and dram buoy. So it's a double hit, really? Yes, 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 yes. The rusty nail, yes. I was famous for those. But you got yeah. <laughs> that. That would be your like little nightclub cap before you go back yes, to a hotel and away yes, games. And then yes. I think many a uh, many a coach has been ruined, you know, by being up till three in the morning. Um, and but Pete, what Pete would say now is he would scurry off as soon as you would say rusty nails. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I think I think another one is um, when you went to uh, you obviously went to Yorkshire quite a lot, and then the backroom staff would have a quiet drink in the bar, and then after the evening meal then you'd always set a challenge or something that you'd have a drink of every drink on the back shelf or something. Yes, we tried that, yes, as well. So you could, you could All ha- along the top shelf. So you could, <laughs> you could handle it, because you probably knew that. So, so who couldn't? So the coaches. The coaches couldn't. <laughs> Gordon none, Ross. none of them, none of them. Gordon Ross, no. I remember him at Newcastle, him and Ollie Smith, we were out on the, oh dear, the next morning. He just couldn't help it. He was on the field doing the warm-up. Yeah. He yawned more than talked. <laughs> <laughs> he was so tired. <laughs> no, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the whole point. Oh, yeah. That's how you are you breaking bread, having a few yeah. drinks with people. It's how you make you know, true friendships, isn't oh, it? Uh, down in Plymouth, we ended up with Plymouth gin. We still drink it. Pete Lowe and myself. Um, you know, because we ended up down there with yeah. uh, Lynn Jones, I remember. And Steve Lewis, and we went out for a Chinese, I think it was, but uh, we ended up in this um, where they make the, the Plymouth gin. You yeah. Know? We were in there drinking it. Oh, dear. Well, Lin, Lin used to love a pint of Pims, didn't he? Oh, not yeah. half. Yeah. Yes, yes, he still does. <laughs> um, he's coming up in January. Is he? Yes, yes, yes. To one of our games. Uh, he's coming up in January because I know he's going to be speaking for the supporters club at, uh, at Mamas. Oh, good. So okay. hopefully be here the next day as well for the for the game. You know? oh, 100%. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's an early warning sign for yes, you to book into a supporter yes. club event. So yes. that's actually an exclusive for the pod there. Yes. Um, look, you've been, you've been with this club for, for so long, right, and loved it. Yeah. I'm sure there are people that you would like to mention or, or thank, really, for their friendships or contributions. Yes. Sort of thing. You know, this, this, As this a club, you know, we look at sort of uh, the people who put in money and uh, the coaches, um, you know, we're, they're all held sort of in high esteem, in my opinion. But the, uh, to make a club like this work, to make a rugby, the rugby side of it work, uh, and a club work, there are so many others. You know, um, when I started here, uh, the first physio was Jane Parker. 
She's now Jane James. She married uh, Steve James, the cricketer, you know, yes. the Morgan cricketer. Yeah. She was absolutely wonderful, wonderful physio, superb, you know. And then when she was uh, going, uh, Virginia Marcel came aboard. She's now Virginia Williams, lives in Cardiff. Her son is a, is a very, very good cricketer. And they love coming back here. And I'm hoping, you know, so the Six Nations both will come back here again. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been back here. And um, oh, they were such delightful people, you know. And it was part of the team, part of the growth of this club, you know, the development. And there have been so many other physios, you know, over this time. Uh, Vicky, Vicky Chivas, you know, so many I could name. Sarah Stanway, um, who also helped me with the Exiles. Uh, Lucinda, Lucinda Deeks, you know, wonderful, yeah. wonderful person. Uh, all the way through to Jacob Mitchell, um, uh, Chris Jenkins, uh, A.D. Sanderson, mm -hmm. and um, uh, Jacob, and, and of course, the wonderful Georgina Ewer. She's now doing Glamorgan County Cricket Club, you know, which is wonderful. I try and see her every year when Glamorgan are playing, sort of, you know. But, you know, people like that are really, they played such a huge part in this club. And they were so good, even up now, you know, to Di Langdon and Heather, you know. Heather's working so hard, you know, to keep everything uh, moving and looking after people so well. As well as the physios, you see, we've had the strength and conditioners, you know, Lee Aldridge. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, the one who went back to Cardiff. Uh, wonderful guy. Um, but, you know, there have been so many of them. There have been so, so good, you yeah. know. And uh, it's, it's part of it. But also, it's this club. Um, you know, when I came here, David Thomas, even before that, um, in fact, the, the, there was a guy uh, who's a scorer now for um, Middlesex. He was the manager here. Mm -hmm. He and his wife ran the kitchen. Um, I still see him, you know. Uh, when I go to Lords, he, he's there scoring. And when I pass, we always say hello. Yeah. And when Middlesex play here, he's always here, you know. Right. Wonderful guy. Um, but uh, there have been others, you know. Uh, uh, Mick Dunn, he works so hard here. Wonderful, wonderful person, you know. And, uh, you know, when they come back, it's wonderful to see them. They're so friendly. Well, well his son plays in the 16s yes, here, doesn't he? Right. Jay, yes, so. yes, which is wonderful, you know, to have stayed with the game all the way through. Yeah. And, you know, even now down to uh, Julie. Julie's been here over 20 years. Yeah. And what's so special here, you see, you know, what I've always said is I left a small village community in West Wales, and I came to a Welsh community in London. And you come in here, it's not like going to a pub, you know, where you get served and, you know, they're busy. People talk to you, you know, people behind the bar talk to you. You know, they've, they've been such wonderful, wonderful servants of this club, you know. Yeah, I agree. And I say to them all, you know, players as well, players, physios, you know, strength conditioners, uh, coaches, Everybody, you know, even the bar people, please, please come back, you know. I would just love to see them here. Uh, last Saturday, I met Cody Britton on the touchline. He'd come up to, uh, because he had to, um, he's going off to the um, uh, Caribbean with Alan Martin, you know. Right. Uh, Bermuda. Um, I think there's a few players. I think Mike Denby yes, and, Mike and Mr. Griffiths is going. Yes, there, that's right. Yeah, so uh, he was there, but he, he couldn't find his passport. So he had to come up to get his passport. You know, but to see Corey, you know, see Corey. They just chose easily as an opportunity to drop in on London Wales, Oh, wonderful. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. saying, you know, any time you pass here, mm. please call, you know. doesn't matter where they are. 
you know, in the world, please, please come back. But look, you're, all welcome yeah. here. You've been, you know, um, 50 years a London Welsh supporter, probably 45 years a London Welsh volunteer. Yeah. You know, when you look back at your time in the club, what, what does being a part of this club family mean to you? Uh, it has meant absolutely everything to me. My, uh, my closest friends from day one, Peter Price, his late brother, Marion, started me here, you know. Jan, um, late uh, Jan, you know, and um, uh, Morlais, you know, we're, we're friends today. We look forward to meeting each other, you know, in the week on Saturdays and so on. And it's like this all the way through, you know. Pete Lowe has been a tremendous friend to me. You know, um, he works at Lord's, so I yeah. see him up there as well. Well, you can tell, you know, it doesn't just work at Lord's, he works for MCC. Mm -hmm. You can tell that by the very posh accent he's got. You know, <laughs> yeah. Put it on uh, nicely. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. You know, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's been a wonderful friend for me, you know, and, uh, and they're just special, special people, you know, and they've been friends for years, and I hope that it will continue forever, you know. This club is a, an incredibly precious place, you know, and it is here for all Welsh people. And basically it is here for anybody who loves rugby, you know. This is a special, special yeah. place. Um, Very much so. Thank you, Terwin. Um, thank you, Terwin. What a great guest you've been. Um, and thank you for your contribution to London Welsh and long may it continue. Thank you very much indeed. Thoroughly enjoyed it.